0: City University Television presents the American Theater Wing Seminars,
1: working in the theater. This seminar, see what I want to see.
2: I'm Sandra Gilman, Chairman of the American Theatre Wing, with our Board President, Doug Leeds. Welcome to our Working in the Theatre Seminars. Today, we're talking about the new musical, See What I Want to See.
0: We'll be back later in the program to tell you more about what the American Theatre Wing does. But right now, let's join our panel and our moderator, the longtime associate producer of Goodspeed Musicals, Sue Frost.
3: Welcome to today's panel on See What I Want to See, a new musical by Michael John LaCusa at the Public Theater. I would like to introduce our distinguished panel. To my far right is actor Mark Kudish. Next to him is musical staging, stager, choreographer, (laughs) Jonathan Butterell. our composer, lyricist, librettist. Michael John LaCusa. To my left, Ted Sperling, the director, and Mary Testa, another performer in the show.
4: Hard-working.
3: hard, working <laughs> <up>. hard <working> <laughs> <up>. <laughs> We're going to start with Michael John, who's going to tell us a little bit about the genesis of See What I Want to See.
5: I um, had read a, the short story by uh, Ryonosuke Okutagao, who was a, a terrific uh, and brilliant short story writer in Japan. In the 20s, um, 1920s, and he uh, had written a story called "In a a Grove," and that's the movie that that, the movie Rashomon is based on. That and um, uh, Kurosawa, when he developed that movie, he had uh, taken two stories: one called Rashomon, and the other story called "In a Grove." Now, if you've ever seen the movie Rashomon, it is um, uh, you'll be familiar with the the general outline of it all. It's about an incident that happens in a grove, and how three different uh, viewpoints, or many different viewpoints on what the truth was about that incident. And so I felt it would be fun to adapt that. Musically, the the possibilities were kind of really exciting, um, to twist and do all the turns. And I like to do the whole cubist thing, too, because it was kind of fun to see how these people looked at. One event from different perspectives, because no one sees anything the same way. Right. And it was—I thought that was really kind of exciting. And they did a reading of it um, a while back. Gosh, 1997, I think it was. Mm -hmm. It was a much different shape than it is now. And um, we did it um, at Lincoln Center down in the basement there. And um, Ted came to see it. Ted Sperling, who's an old-time friend. We've known each other since uh, I
6: think it's 20
5: hmm, years. Something really long time ago now. And um, everybody hated it. (laughs) (laughs) But Ted! But Ted! But Ted! Ted, Ted, And I said, "Uh, okay, it's yours. And whenever you want to direct a show, come on. you were thinking about starting to branch out. Ted is an eminent, uh, preeminent music director and musical supervisor here in New York, conductor, extraordinary. And um, and so it was very exciting for him to want to take that turn to directing. So I said, this is yours, and if you want to do it. And he did, encouraged me to write it.
3: What did you like about it? What What did you see in it that no one else saw?
6: You know, I think this is a little Rashomon example. In and there, of you <laughs> there you go. There you go. He swears he's his, he's version. My, my version he's the <laughs> truth. He version is the truth, of course. But I mean, I can't imagine that there are other people in that room didn't, who didn't love the show as, well, as much as I did. Um, and I just came as a friend. Michael John and I think met. We met doing Henry and Ellen. Is that yeah, right? Yeah,
5: one of a, a, a,
6: a musical. Uh, Mary Maisie was in it. Too. That's right. It was, and I think Ira Weitzman probably introduced
5: us. That's those, right. Right.
6: right. Um, So we've known each other a long time, but we hadn't actually done a big show together ever. But Michael John invited me to this reading, and I was completely riveted and fascinated by this piece. And I share a a love of puzzles (laughs) uh, with Michael John. So I was, you know, frothing at the mouth practically. I was so excited. And and for some reason, Michael John had some faith in me that I would be able to direct it someday. So it's it's taken a little time, and I I practiced directing (laughs) out of town first, but Mm -hmm. uh, here we are.
3: Now I have a question. The the show is structured. There's two different acts, and then there's a a sort of a a introduction to each part of it. Can you talk a little bit about the structure and and how that evolved?
5: The I had found other stories by Riona Okutagawa, in um, one of them in, in, in a collection of short stories of his. One of them is called The Dragon, which I which is the second half of our show, mm-hmm. called The Glory Day. And another story was "Casa and Marito, which told um, the story of "Casa and Marito from their two vantage points, mm-hmm. these two lovers who are having uh, a, a love affair, and what they're going to do to one another mm-hmm. on the last night that they're together. And I was always amazed with uh, at the Met – have you ever been to the Met where they have the, the Japanese screen paintings? You, you, you know what I'm mm-hmm. talking about. The, and I love the panels. Um, And you could sit for hours and just study them. They're so beautiful, and so, and how they tell a story. And I thought, what would architecturally, if you were to write a libretto that was based on these, how the screen paintings? In other words, like you see, like a panel one might have um, uh, 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 a frog on a lily pad, and then the second panel might be the birth of like a, a famous samurai, and then the third panel might be a stork and the frog on the lily pad. And then the fourth panel might be some other incident from the life of the hero. And then the fifth panel would be the frog disappeared, mm-hmm. and the stork there. So in other words, it was like a mix and match of stories, and you, I, I don't know you – know, sometimes they painted behind these screens, too, that you – the. You who were watching the, the looking at the screen, you, you were supposed to perceive something behind it, even though you wouldn 't be able to see it, which I thought again was very, very fascinating. Mm. Um, the third part of it was what you, you look at the screen up close and you see one story. If you take ten steps back, you see a more complete vision of the story fifteen steps back, you see the whole thing twenty steps tw- you know and further back you go you see the museum, and then you see the people in the museum, and then you see the museum. It's what God sees. Everything becomes uh, uh, all relative. Uh, truths become lie, death becomes life. It, you know, it all becomes one whole thing. And that really fascinated me, mm-hmm. too. So I thought, well, I um, might as well Play around with that idea and Go give it, to, it give it to Ted. Give it to Ted. <laughs> and make him make it work on stage for me. So
3: I want to get back to the Japanese influence on the production, but you know we do have a, a couple of clips from the show, and we'd like to maybe show something from the first act to the audience. This is the uh, a segment of the song. See what I want to see. I see
4: what I
5: Influenced by the Japanese.
3: Kabuki traditions. <laughs> <line. laughs> <laughs> 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 that was uh, Adina Menzel and, and Aaron Lore, I believe. Aaron, Aaron Lohr's in yeah. Mar- yeah. it, Yes, great. Um, let's bring someone else into this conversation. Jonathan, this is not traditional choreography.
7: No, there's no choreography as such in the whole show.
3: Right. Mm-hmm. How did you and Ted work together? Can you talk a little bit about that? When did you come into this project?
7: I came to see a workshop um, that was done at Musical Theatre Works, about two years ago. And Ted just said, come see this piece. And again, I was fascinated by it, it's completely fascinating. And again, it was mm, not in the full form that we have now, as well. And working with Ted, in terms of what I do, It's kind of nebulous thing, what I do in terms of when there's no specific choreography. I just work with actors and creating a space in which actors feel that they're free enough to work. And also there's a kind of physical dynamic and a kind of rhythmic tension of bodies in space that kind of communicates a story and even something a little deeper, you know, because the way two actors can actually be on stage, just their kind of relationship in terms of space can actually communicate something that's just other than text, or – it can actually communicate something sometimes deeper. And that's my job, to kind of just release that into the space.
3: Had you two worked together uh, staging a piece before?
6: No, we hadn't worked in that capacity uh-huh. together.
3: As a musical director?
6: <laughs> We'd you done, did three together, We've done three projects together, where project I was the music yeah. director and yeah. Jonathan was the musical stager. We did an elaborate workshop of Wise Guys, mm-hmm. Steven Sondheim's piece with John Weidman. And then we did A Man of No Importance together at Lincoln Center, directed by Joe Mantello. And then we did The Light in the Piazza together at Lincoln Center. Sure,
5: sure.
6: Johnny's pretty much the only person I know who does what he does.
4: Uh
5: Uh-huh, I was going to say. They're really symbiotic. I mean, they kind of like, they kind of walk together and (laughs) they… Talk together. And it's a very n- never a po- I was going to say it
3: would be hard to sort of separate into two different rooms, wouldn't it? They You're gang up on me a together. lot. They do. <laughs> they they, up do? Up they tell you yeah. what
5: they need. They, they gang up on me. That's a lot. our role. Works, That's the so. work. That's the work. <laughs> Mark, do you want to
3: comment as a performer about <coughs> working, working with Jonathan and Ted in terms of staging? You, you were nodding, so yeah. I think you have something to contribute.
1: Well, Johnny and I have worked together before. We oh. did Assassins together. And Ted and I have known each other forever, actually, and and, um, it's 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 a really great process um, because you you really have, especially for this piece, you have three points of view. Again, three different people seeing it from three different points of view that create a larger picture, Um, and you know that each one of them has something very potent, and it really helps to fill out something that. Is is gosh like a big puzzle. I mean, the, the the piece itself is is so much like a big puzzle, not only in terms of how characters relate to each other, but the characters themselves. The characters themselves are puzzles with pieces that are missing, and that's a huge challenge for an actor. And I mean, you rely. I mean, you rely on all of them. In, in such an it's – it's an interesting way to work. Rely on but me. I mean,
5: you just do it. He just he does just, everything. No. Yeah. No. I, no, made him, no. I, I, I rely on all you. of them. You're great, though. He's great. He's, he's so daring, though. He's, he's – uh, both of these actors here that we have here have done shows of mine before. We've all worked with them in the past, and they are willing to do anything. I made him sing in a bathtub nude, a high seas, down in Washington, in the middle of winter. <laughs> and he said, okay. Yeah. He did it so it's the whatever Ted and you were John Van Gogh in that. Movie. I was Van Gogh in that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was great,
1: but no, come on, come on. I rely on you. I rely on all of you guys. I mean,
5: when John is talking about too, it's like he he lets the actors also make their own staging in a lot of respects because the character will dictate that mm-hmm. if you allow them enough freedom. and
3: – Well, and you played three very different
1: yeah people in this in this show you yeah, no, I mean that 's what 's interesting about <clears> the piece as well. There are three short stories that have absolutely nothing to do with each other and have everything to do with each other, and the beautiful thing about michael john 's music is there are um, musical let 's say signatures that go from the first act into (coughs) the second act. You will hear the same pieces of music that um, certain characters sung in the first act, sung in the second act. Because as people, (coughs) even though we're completely different, we share the same emotional, you know, spectrum. And so, um, you know, like uh, one character sings this little phrase in the first act that I end up singing in the second act, and or um, uh, Henry Stram, who plays Um, The janitor in the first act and the priest in the second act sings this wonderful piece um, called Light in the East. And he finishes the first act with that, and almost starts the second act with Mm -hmm. that. And it's just really interesting to have that through line, because then you realize that even though these are different stories, they still have um, a similar moral to them in the end. And um, it's exciting, it's interesting. But as an actor, I can safely say that to be daring in that environment, you must be able to trust the outside eye, especially with this piece. Mary, I'm sure, you know…
8: I have absolutely nothing to say. No, but <laughs> seriously, though.
1: <That's> a <laughs> yeah, 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 sure. <laughs>
8: <laughs> That's no, but no, you're absolutely
1: right. One of the interesting Plus things. Plus, we
8: play to three different sides of the. There's a front and two sides, so right. that dance the theater. Is yeah, the this end. whole
1: piece is about perspective and being in it.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: This is one of those few pieces where I've been in that you get in it, but you are in so many ways absolutely clueless as to how it's reading. Right. Because you're so in it. We're so connected to what we're doing on stage. The great thing is, we fuel each other.
8: Right. You and I have a a moment where we're really working off each other. You know,
1: and all of us fuel each other in one way or the other. But because it feels like such uh, an integral, introverted piece as an actor when you're in it, you're not sure how it is coming across um, to an audience, which ultimately is uh, incredibly important, because we are the ambassadors to this man's writing. And so we have to rely wholeheartedly on them. I mean, there are times in a rehearsal process that I would look at any one of you and go, is it working? Is this right? Does it feel right? And there are times when you think as an actor, oh, I'm in it now. And then, you know, like Johnny will come up to me and go, mm, <laughs> you know, why not try this? And you're like, but I feel it's instinct. And, but then you realize that you, you, you've got to have that outside eye, or Michael John will say something. He'll say many things. (laughs) But he'll say something that clicks something, and you go, oh, or, you know, Teddy will come up and he'll just say, try that there instead of this, and, you know, you can't – it's a piece that – and what's fascinating is, without the three of them, I don't know how you do it.
7: And that, at times, can be kind of contradictory, as well, for an actor. Mm -hmm. And I have no issue with that, at all. I have no issue in kind of contradicting myself or even at times contradicting Michael John or Ted, because it, it feels like you just change the facet. You have looked at it in a different way. And it's not a complete contradiction. It's not saying that is wrong. It's just that they're saying, look at it this way as well. Mm. And I think, in essence, this is what this piece is about. It goes back yeah. to
3: that whole cubist idea, too. It's also tradition. very
8: Japanese in that it's very spare. Yeah. Mm. So you don't really need to do a lot in order to convey. So it's just actually trying to fine-tune and find what you don't need to do in many ways. Trimming away that. Yeah, the trimming away. Right. I'm finding now that I can add a little bit to, what, to a, one of the characters that I play. I can actually add a little bit and it seems to be working, but it seemed to be the sparest you could be even gesturally – faces and gestures <laughs> – The sparest <laughs> You Can be, was be
3: is better for this piece. Certainly, uh, in this space – it must have been wonderful to work in this space with this particular show. Um, I was it, scared,
5: it, it, yeah? to be honest, because I'm, I worry about musicals um, the, in, in, in a three-quarter thrust stage, because it's – you know, where, how do you deliver that big note? and not have the actor have to, you know, kind of do a dervish dance around to get everybody in the audience uh-huh. to, you know, hear the note. So I was a little nervous about it and I really I don't like miking. I don't like miking. <laughs> I, mean, I don't, you know, I don't like it very much in, in amplification of theater. So but they've they've kept it very down to a minimum. The staging is remarkable, both what Ted and Jonathan have done here in that you you really don't miss anybody's faces and um, the diagonals are played, and yet there's a lot of freedom for the actors, too. Once they got into the puzzle of how to play that space, it became easier. Musicals are tricky, you know. We're used to having them in a flat
3: right space. Well, well and also the, de- the the design is very spare and very but, but beautiful, striking. I don't talk. You talk about that a little bit, Ted, in terms sure. of your approach with Tom and Tom Lynch, the set design. Well,
6: I I've always wanted to do a show with two chairs and five actors, and, and – and really Many
3: producers <laughs> would echo this. <yes. laughs>
6: One. Um, and I think Jonathan also shares a, a, a taste that I have in wanting things to be as simple and as imaginative, leaving as much to the imagination of the audience as possible. Um, and also our, our piece e- – each act is – is framed with a central character talking to uh, a somebody, a confessor, or or the police. So our first act, in a way, all takes place in the police interrogation room. So it makes sense that the furniture is just a table and two metal chairs and an overhead lamp. And then as each person enacts their version of the story, they take us to Central Park. They act it out for us. But at the same time, you're always somewhat aware that it's for the benefit of the police. So what they're telling may be what they want to be uh, portrayed as. Every person is in the first act, for example, is saying, yes, I killed him. But they're showing it in their best possible light. But you know, so they're telling their version doesn't necessarily mean that they even believe it completely. So there's many levels to that. But in terms of the, going back to the design, it was what Mary said in a way. It was like, we started with something and then we kept paring it down. What do we really need? What will be the most expressive and suggestive without being literal? And because there's this underpinning of three Japanese short stories, my impulse was to start with what would it be like if it were done in a Japanese fashion, without being strictly kabuki or mm-hmm. no-like mm-hmm. in its mm-hmm. presentation, but mm-hmm. to draw on some elements that would suggest japanese So we have a, a, a bed of river rocks in the back, mm. and our floor has the gentle suggestion of a Zen sand garden. Mm-hmm. And even the chairs in the second act that are, that are church chairs, have a somewhat Japanese shape to them or a feeling about them.
3: And then you'd you start each act with this sweep of fabric. Uh, that was which Johnny's is, idea.
6: Yeah. Um, yeah, we we had done it's it beautiful. up in beautiful. Williamstown last summer, mm-hmm. in a, also in a space where the audience was seeing it from three different angles, but it was more of a wedge rather than a full square. <coughs> so it was possible to do these prologues with a beautiful screen as the backdrop. But when you had people in a square formation, there was no place to put a screen where it wouldn't be blocking people's view or where people would be feeling cut off. So mm-hmm. how did we create an environment that felt integral to our set? And Johnny came up with that idea of the beautiful red fabric.
7: It's one of the trickiest spaces I've ever worked in. Yeah. And I've worked in many spaces. And I, I kind of grew up at the Donmar Warehouse, which is not a dissimilar space. It's in London. It's a small studio theatre, 250 seats. Uh, the nature of this space is square. And because of its symmetry, it, the, the dynamic within the space is really kind of tricky. And it's, it took a quite a while to figure it out. Mm-hmm.
6: It Just, also has two columns in sort of central places in the stage where you'd love to put an actor.
7: <laughs>
8: yeah. <laughs> I said to one of the guys, can't you take those
3: things down? Yeah, what did he say? <laughs> no, it's, they're structural. You probably asked them that when you were working there. What?
6: And also finding a good place for the Night. orchestra in a space <laughs> like that is also tricky. And, and yeah. because I come from a background as a musician, I always love to see music being made. And Love not to too. pretend hear, hear. anything, yeah. other than that there are live musicians there. Right. Our show has no electronic instruments, um, we have three percussionists, and we wanted to see all the wonderful music making, so they're fully visible across the mm-hmm. back.
3: Mm-hmm. You put them up on a level up there, it's great.
6: And I've, I've done a couple of shows, and Michael John has also, um, at Lincoln Center in the downstairs theater the Mitzi Newhouse, which is not square, but it's similarly wraparound. Mm. <laughs> and we've worked with Graziella Danielle down there, uh, and Mary and I did one of those shows mm-hmm. together with Graziella. She's a master at, at, at staging um, things, so that people feel included, and so I, I, I watched her closely
4: on this. <laughs> and Jonathan yeah, and I great.
6: did one in that same space, A Man of No Importance.
3: How much rehearsal time did you have? Four, Four weeks. weeks. Four weeks. Were you in the space the whole time? In Actually, rehearsal the space, studio? no. We were in the rehearsal yeah. room. <laughs> so you had to figure that space out when you were
7: I, – I leave a lot to occur when we get in the space mm-hmm. anyway. I like to play. For, if we're in a rehearsal room for four weeks, I'll, I like to play. Sure. My philosophy is I always like to leave space for something to occur, mm-hmm. always. Mm-hmm. So even when actors are then up doing something, there's enough space for something to occur. Mm-hmm. If, if, if something's held too tight, it'll just sure. die, sure. eventually it'll just die. And, if, and it's the same with an audience. I believe if you give an audience yeah. everything, the part of an audience has to die because they're actually not part of the... The whole process and an audience is part of an evening, and they should be working as hard as we're working at sometimes. And mm-hmm. um, just that they, you know, you, I know people have said to me, What's it about? And I go, Well, what's a Rothko about? Mm-hmm. You look at it, you, you watch it, you look into it, you see the different layers, and you ask yourself, What's it saying to me? And ultimately, that's what theatre does at its best it can entertain. It can give us something that we just sit back and go, I'm entertained and I'm fascinated and I don't really have to contribute a lot to this, but I'm finding something nice. And then it can also do the other thing that we actually step forwards and go, this is saying something to me that I'm not quite sure exactly what it's, how it's speaking to me, but I'm going to have to think about this and take it away. And it may not occur to me this week, <laughs> next week, or next year, but some part of it might just fall into place at some time and I feel alive as a result of it. And I think you know if we go back to the Greeks, that's what we would Those aim are always my favorite
8: shows to see—the ones that I have absolutely no idea what's going on.
7: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
8: Because then I go, uh, uh, something is going on, and I'm going to figure this out later. It gives my brain something to do.
6: People have been coming back to see our show, yeah. um, and, right? and you know, there are people who've already seen it three times and like it more each time because they—well, they, you they see start something
3: different each time. I can imagine. Yes, yeah. you do.
4: Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I had a friend come. And you know, he said that he had talked to a friend that had seen it who had adored it, but literally said, "3 days, man." And he was like, "What do you mean, 3 days?" "In 3 days, it'll hit you." <laughs> <laughs> literally, he well, said, "3 days. About Give it 3 days." <laughs> <laughs> and he came and saw the show last night and was literally like, "Well, I'll talk to you in another 2 days." <laughs>
4: <laughs>
8: that's great. Yeah, That's
1: great. But I love the fact that like people go away and 3 days later they're like, "Oh, wow." And I mean, why not? How, how fun to have an audience actively participating in an evening.
3: Well, and, and to be able to, to to walk away from it and still want to talk about it and figure it out, and three days later pick up the phone with the
5: person that you, you went with and say, hey, but that's oh, one of the, else occurred yeah, to me. One of the best reasons. Uh... <laughs> But they're, but they're referring to it's why we're at the Public Theatre. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it, it's a, it is a remarkable space in town, a not-for-profit theatre that's been around for a while. Founded 50 by years, uh, right? Joseph Papp. Yep. They're yeah, celebrating yeah, their sure. 50th, 50th season, season this year. Mm-hmm. Oscar Eustace is now um, taken over the, from George C. Wolfe over there. And what's exciting about working down there, and why we, I think we we're so excited to work there, first and foremost, was the audience that they have down there. It's a young audience. The subscriber audience is hip. Um, older, too. uh, Older, but willing to to go on a a, a journey and a challenge, and actually demanding to be challenged by by the theatre that they go to. Not uncomfortable to, um, feel an emotion Mm -hmm. in the space that they're in over there. Um, I think a lot of audiences today, we we don't trust, um, sometimes, uh, feeling things, or, or an honest, Feeling in the theater, we distrust it. Maybe that's a cultural thing too. I don't know. Um, but down at the public, you know, they they want that. They they want that. The audiences are are, are have been. They've devoted themselves. The theater's well, devoted itself to de- developing that audience.
3: It's expectation. I think is if you go in knowing that you're going to be challenged and you're going to see something different and you're going to, to have a different experience, then you're open to it. Right. You know.
5: Yeah. And also do the whole company down there. The whole the whole theater company is is involved in it as a, as a family unit as a community there, which is a really healthy environment to work in. And then you can be really free and really be dangerous and take a lot of risks that you might not normally take in a commercial venue or even some other non-for-profits yeah. which are under the, you know, which you, know, you sure. have to sometimes watch your step and walk sure. on eggs. Sure. So we're very, very fortunate to be down there.
3: And you've had, you had a fairly lengthy preview period too, where you could continue to no. work on the piece? Uh, no. Depends never, what world you're comparing never to. Never long enough, two I weeks. guess, huh? Two, two weeks. weeks. Two weeks, a, you two weeks. Know, it's long
6: compared to our zero previews in Williamstown, but yeah. sure. it's short <laughs> compared to what you get on Broadway.
3: Well, okay, now this is a good segue, because I did want to talk – we talked a little bit about musical theatre works, we talked about Williamstown, we talked about Lincoln Center. It takes a village, huh, to put mm-hmm. this musical together? Yes, it can, does. Can you talk a little bit about um, what – what each each step was, and what what each each uh,
5: venue brought to the piece, or or talk uh, about that. reading um, was was done, and then I threw it away, put it in the back of the drawer. Ted they said, did for Ted. Say it for Ted. Put it away, and then uh, when the opportunity came up uh, with uh, Tom Cotton and Randy Luterman to to do something with musical theater works, um, they uh, and uh, and with. Uh, a lot of help, uh, found some way to commission the work uh, from me, which was great, to afford me a chance to write the second act that I wanted to write for Ted, as well as the companion pieces, Case and Marita. Uh, we did a, a reading of that and then a subsequent workshop with Musical Theater Works, which we invited people to see. Including my parents. Including <laughs> your parents. <laughs> and whose birthday it was? <laughs> we were there last Ed night. Yeah. Sperling's Sweet. birthday, 78, going strong. Mm-hmm. And
3: that's when you saw it? I saw uh, that. It, no, were any were either of you involved at that at that point? Either of you as performers? I was. It had been
5: written for Mary originally, but she was too busy being a star.
3: Yes, that's me.
5: To be in a variety, but <laughs> <laughs> you say clawing your way to the I've middle. I clawed my way to the middle. <laughs> <laughs> How do you like the view? <laughs> it's pretty even. <laughs>
3: Yeah, wonderful – So it was written for Mary, but she wasn't yeah. able to.
8: P- but Mark? I did the work. I did the workshop at Musical Theatre Workshop. But there was
5: one before the one you did. There was one before that, that you I couldn't didn't do. do yeah. that I couldn't do. And then, and, but Mark had done that, and um, and unfortunately he was too busy being a star. When we got a chance to do Williamstown, um, I mean these people have got to make money, and you don't make money doing workshops, and you don't make sure. money doing off Broadway. They, sure. they don't pay very well for actors, and this is a you know very frustrating thing because we want to do exciting work in New York off Broadway, and off off Broadway, but the pay scale's so limited, mm-hmm. and the rents just keep ballooning on the cost of living here, so
8: – Geritol keeps dri- going up. Geritol
5: <laughs> – oh, my, my doll, what are you talking about? Uh, no, I mean, it's tough to keep – you know, how do you – I'm scared that we're going to drive our artists out of the city, you know, but they have to make a living. So yeah, he's got to do his thing, and she's got to do her Broadway gigs and stuff to to support this work, and, sure. and as, as all of these guys do. Um, Uh, We did William and and Michael Ritchie from Williamstown and Jenny Gerson um, wanted to do the piece and offered us a slot in Williamstown. And that that was was a workshop. Uh, That was a
3: full production. Full production. And
5: you, you, okay, Mm, great. And that we thought would be great to um, experiment with the piece and invite people to see it and see what the next step was, Mm -hmm. whether it was going to London with it or you know at the Dunbar or going someplace else uh, with it, New York, uh, and and of course the, the Public Theater. Uh, came and saw it and enjoyed it, and we were Great. very happy about that
3: it 's interesting. you talk a little bit about the relationship with with your your performers now you have a long history with both mary and mark you 've each done three shows with michael john and and as you write a piece and you have someone in mind, if they 're not available, you keep writing it Do you, Does it change as you're, obviously it changes with with the with the people that you 're working with, but can you talk a, a little bit about that kind of, um, writer... Start as the writer, as you're writing, as you're creating the piece, with, with certain people in mind, as you're developing it, how does it change?
5: Well, I know Mary's gonna have, uh, uh, uh this depth, you know, as she's, first of all, she's a great comedian. You cannot be uh, as funny as she is. And a great comedian unless you're a great actor, you mm-hmm. know. And underneath that, you know, the, the comedy is this, is this great heart and soul. And to write for that, as well as having great technical abilities as a singer, she can sing at 9 o'clock in the morning. I love that. No, no, um, no, 9 o'clock. She
3: can, want. but she doesn't.
5: Not, not, not <laughs> that I want to. But she can. And, 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 uh, and she can take on uh, amazing roles. I wrote Marie Christine uh, Magdalene, the whole second act really centers around uh, Mary Testa, as, as uh, very much the second act here does, too, for this piece. And she is a—she a, a, um, uh, represents a lot to me in terms of women, and, and, uh, and it's always a pleasure writing for her. And uh, I know that—and and, and if she can't do something, I know that somehow or another she's going to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I have to, if I burn down some theater or something like that, I'll get her to do my show. I've said this you know. before,
8: and I'll say it again in front of all you people. I would be happy <laughs> if I just did Michael John. Michael John's material. I would be very happy as a performer, because it's, it's like a banquet
5: as opposed to a Twinkie.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
5: but it's fun, though. You know, you also learn their, their, twi- their ticks and their quirks, and you know which, which notes you can give them. We had to rewrite something <laughs> for the CPA, which, of course, was, when I began writing *Glory Day in the role of the CPA, uh, that who uh, is camped out in Central Park. Um, I see Central Park. We're going show. to get a chance and to see yeah, CPA well, wrote wrote this CPA very soon. This for Mark. I really did write CPA for Mark, um, and I, and even in the rewrites. And this poor man, he had to learn a, a rewrite of that song day after day after day. Some new piece would go in, and I wind up giving him high C's and you know just crazy things. And he has to wear like practically nothing on stage again. That's why we're going to get to see theme. this clip. Yeah, sure. <laughs>
1: <laughs> sing naked in a bathtub, sing a high C.
5: <laughs> cold, but at least, you know, you have some clo- partial clothing on this one here. So, come on, no, but the fun off. thing, I can tell you
1: this, though, from an actor's perspective of, of, of working with Michael John on music. <clears throat> it's very much a collaboration. It's very much a, a, an organic process, as opposed to just, here it is. You know, like a you know.
5: They teach me more than I can but it ever becomes, learn about it becomes It
1: becomes a relationship, as opposed to just, here's music, learn this music, sing it. Mm. And it's not, it becomes a dance in so many ways, less just sort of a performance. And it, 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 it's intrinsic, not only musically, but actively as well, which, as Mary said, for an actor, you can't ask for anything else because it's not like trying to make something work. It's not like lugging something on your back and schlepping it through an act, trying to make it you know, snap. It, it really is just sort of like living in it and breathing with it and getting out of your own way and really allowing what this music is to, um, you know, for you to facilitate that. And um,
5: We argue a lot. Well, yeah, but yeah. it's an interesting yeah. thing. Yeah. It's like when no, we were we
1: working on the, oh, when yeah. we were working down… You uh, guys do, not me, though. Oh, yeah, yeah, right, whatever. We all argue because we <laughs> love each other. But, <laughs> When we were working down in Washington on the Highest Yellow, there were certain things that I might have seen a certain way that at first he was like, oh no, no, no. Two weeks later he comes back and he goes, you know what, I think we should probably do that. And it's just this interesting thing of each… you got
5: to do the same thing too.
1: Absolutely. And this, I was like, no, 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 I'm telling you. And then finally you just you come, come around, around and, and you go, sandwich. yeah, yeah, yeah. I just had to let go of some stuff. You know, and it really becomes this process. But we all take that process together, which is what's really a wonderful experience. It's not like a music writer gives you music and you say, that kind of doesn't feel really right, gum, you know, like it feels like I have to, and the music, you know, and and the composer goes, but that's the challenge (laughs) with my music. You know, it really. Michael
8: John writes every note of what you need for your character is in the music. Yeah. So every emotion, every shade of your character is there for you in the music, which is a little scary because sometimes that doesn't happen. Sometimes it's in the book and then the music is something else. Everything in the music is your roadmap and it, it's very full. So, so you're kind of ahead of the game already, which makes it easy to learn. Even though Michael John writes incredibly difficult music, it makes it easy to learn because it's there, if that makes sense.
1: It's specific. Yeah. It has logic, and it has import to what's coming next. Mm -hmm. It's not just the song in the middle of this, because they thought, oh, God, five minutes of dialogue. We need a song here. I mean, it's like. I intrinsic. do think that
5: way too, though, sometimes. Sure. Well, and your responsibility,
3: I, I'm cu- your responsibility I'm a as a director <laughs> with a writer who's writing all the words in music, you must have a dramaturgical responsibility that not, not every director's going to have. Well, well, it's fun. I think the
6: whole, the whole group, in a way, on this project took some dramaturgical responsibility. Certainly, Jonathan. And I also think that's why you hire Mary Testa. That's why you hire Mark Kudish, because you want thinking people who are going to look at the character from. Inside, You know, this is – we can look from our point of view, but they have to make it work, and they're, an actor's job is to protect their role, in a way, and to make sense out of their part. And they're going to they're carry their character all the way through in a line, whereas we're looking at everything at once. So you have to trust that they're going to have insights that are valuable.
5: It's a, that's a blessing, you know, when you do all three things, like a libretto, lyric, and music. It's very lonely. But then when you have great dramaturgs like Ted and Jonathan. Ted is also a great musician too, so that covers a lot of ground there. It makes it very easy to go to work every day and not have to go into like a Sybil routine, where the you know you go you know the lyricist is going at the composer. I hate you. you no, know, oh, I hate you. you know, it's, it's like it's really kind of scary sometimes when you do work alone. Um, but when you have the actors, too, they also invite uh, response and call and. And between character and music, and, and, and that, that's what's really exciting about that kind of collaboration. You can't get people, I, I don't like to hire people that just sing well. You know, they have to think and they have to feel the stuff. Plus, and, uh, it's
8: hilarious to watch somebody who's never worked with Michael John before. <laughs> <laughs> it's so wonderful to watch them when they start because they're panic stricken. How am I gonna learn this? And then a few days later they relax, because they realize the doors are open. The doors are open. You know what I mean? But it's overwhelming at first, because, you know, he writes a – he writes a big – And he writes it fast. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's the
1: greatest thing, too, is you can say – like, go have a conversation where, you know, I think maybe, yeah, 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 I'm thinking, and that's not – really no, 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 no. Okay, I'll look at it tonight. And then the next morning, you come in and you go, Michael John's going to have twenty pages. Mm-hmm. And he walks in, he and there's twenty pages.
5: Yeah. You asked for so, it. So, so you kept rewriting the
3: CPA? I did. Um, this is a segue, Mark. Uh-huh. We're going to go right into this. To get, it right.
5: <laughs> to get it right. To get it right. To get it right. And it was so wonderful. That was a great process. That's great. Let's see
3: a little bit of it, can
5: we?
1: Here I am in Central Park, no more job or family, no more lies or suits or ties, made myself at home, here made myself at home. For a spot on a bench, sleeping next to an actor who snores. I love it all week long. I have tanned in the rambles and bathed in the pond. I am perfumed with the great outdoors who invented Central Park. I would like to thank him. God will see a purer me. Glory Unfine to me, put my past behind to me,
4: shine in place and
3: <laughs> That's how the water gets on the stage from Jesus. the Frisbee. That's how the water gets on. The stage. <laughs> it kept saying, kept saying, oh, What the hell is water, water doing here up here upstage? I'm going to fall. I think this is a, a good opportunity to take a small break where we can hear a little bit more about the work of the American Theater Wing and then we'll come right back to this.
2: Thank, Thank you. you. The American Theater Wing has played a vital role in New York's theatrical life for more than 60 years. We stand for excellence, and we support education in the theater.
0: Best known for creating the Tony Award, our work reaches beyond Broadway and New York.
2: These seminar programs, which are supported by the Annenberg Foundation and the Dorothy Strelson Foundation, are an unequaled forum for discussions with today's most creative artists.
0: Downstage Center's in-depth interviews are heard on XM Satellite Radio. Our grant and scholarship programs support New York theater companies and theater students. And since we began, we have given away more than two and a half million dollars.
2: Our theater intern group helps young people who are just starting in their careers build a professional network.
0: And Springboard NYC is a two-week boot camp for aspiring actors from colleges across the country.
2: All of the American Theatre Wing's educational and media programs are available for free, on demand, from our website, AmericanTheatreWing.org.
0: Now, let's return to the seminar.
3: So, Mark, Mm. how did you feel the first day you saw that costume?
1: (laughs) I mean, well, I figured it was more than being naked in a bathtub. No, I, I liked it. I, I mean, it had been described to me. They had described it to me before. and I know that Michael John had actually – tell them, you had told me about that, that was really oh, based on – yes,
5: there was a gentleman that I was, would observe in, in the park. I liked going to Central Park and walking there. And uh, there was a guy who had had a business suit, um, about – relatively your age, <laughs> thirty-five. <laughs> 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 and he had uh, done, uh, taken his suit, and he had cut it into this incredibly elaborate, actually quite beautiful, sort of dashiki look. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't as short as that because they had to show his calves, you know, uh, on stage. It, could, it actually went down. the th- pant legs were just all draped too, and it was just—it was really quite beautiful. And clearly, the man had gone through some sort of uh, readjustment. Um, <laughs> in, his, in his life, um, I didn't stop to ask. That's a real suit. That it was is a just,
6: real suit, just yeah, just isn't it? razor-bladed, yeah. And, yeah. It just and then Mark customized a little bit, because of the rabbi reference in the
1: song. Again, it was the, it was the process of, of the development of the song, you know. Uh, the song was, it was in one form, and then Michael John had said to me, I want to work on that, I want to look at that, I, I still don't feel like it's where I want it to be. And then he came in one day, and it had been completely rewritten. Um, that, that, that end part that we had just sort of seen was s- sort of a, a piece from what it originally was, but believe me, there's a whole bunch of stuff before we get to there. And um, it was fascinating, and you know, he had just completely rewritten the idea of the man, and the fact that he had, his father was a rabbi, and so there are just little things from that that, you know, I, I just wanted it sort of knotted so that for me personally, whether anyone got it or not, that I could organically connect to wearing this outfit and it not looking like a costume, but it really felt like something that this character at this point in the play had done to his own suit. Um, and I wanted to knot it so that it sort of just felt like a talus around me. And just the knotted tie around the, the, the head with the big knot in the center was for me the feeling of uh, the tefillin, a prayer box. Because, you know, a glory day is ultimately about, you know, um, hope, you know uh, a priest, you know, tacks up a sign saying that Christ will rise from the pond in Central Park. And regardless of, of, of um, being Jewish, I just felt like this character, his way of reaching God was through the way his father taught him. And that this is as close to, he wanted to be ready, you know, and, and that this was, this was the route for this man to his God. And, um, you know, I mean, that all stemmed
5: ultimately from what he had rewritten, mm-hmm. so. Mark was very great at giving ideas, too, though. Um, he's always very good at giving the ideas about it. It takes a while for me sometimes. Sometimes I will say, no, that's not what I intend. Um, yeah. But uh, sometimes it, it takes, you know, that three-day magical thing of going, three days later, going, oh, you are probably right. <laughs> you know, about that. And uh, it, was, it was great, it was one of the most fascinating involvements of a song I've ever worked on. I don't know if it's quite there yet, even. <laughs> you know, I still want to tweak it some more last night. I wanted to play around with it some probably. more. But <laughs> yeah. it sounded beautiful, so I was very pleased with the, okay. the arc of it.
8: Great. Mark is one of those wonderful actors who really, really is very devout in his pro- work process, and yes. really loves to dig very deep and likes to discuss, and likes – I jokingly, whenever Mark starts, I go, well, we got an hour. Let's go, uh, <laughs> let's go get a cup of coffee! No! And I I'm re- totally respect you for it, because you really – you're very articulate in your feelings about what you feel is missing, or what you feel should be added. You're very passionate about it, and it's always really wonderful to watch. Plus,
3: then I get a break,
1: whenever. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. But that's the process. I mean, you, I just think, as a performer, you have to come to something organically. And a great part of working with these guys is their process is very organic. Mm -hmm. Now, each of us has our point of view on something, but we're able to communicate with each other so that we all, so that I ultimately can reach what he means, what he means, or what he means organically through my own system so that I can apply that. Part of it is having a feeling of something, and Michael John coming back three days later saying, okay, I see what you're saying. Mm -hmm. Part of it is me coming back three days later and saying to these guys, okay, I get it. I needed to throw away an old idea to get to this now. You know, but that's been the process of this. That's, that's really the joy of it. I mean, it's, it's almost, you know, working on this piece has almost felt like going back to college, and you remember why you got into this to begin with. And you're very exposed out there, and that goes back to that whole issue of trust, and you feel that
3: you're completely supported by yeah. all it's the folks interesting who got to you watch out other there. people's
8: process, sure. because I'm not a big, I don't discuss a lot, mm-hmm. but I love watching. Someone who does. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I, I can't seem to do that. I'm not that type. Would you say? I'm not really a discusser. Mm-hmm. So you're a complainer. I
4: complain.
7: Because <laughs> also as a, as a company. I'm only joking. She's. As no, a it's company, true. I do we complain. <laughs> we're a real lot of vagabonds as a company. We're complete. You know, we're we're very different all as 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 people, and we bring different elements to it. We kind of just throw bombs at things, and mm-hmm. things explode, and you know, Mark says his, his way of finding something organ- uh, organic, and that may be through something intellectual, or actually it might just be something by me just saying, Mark, will you just try it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it's going to bring to you, and take your brain <clears throat> out of the equation oh. for a moment, and just, just see what that brings, because there, no, there is no way. There is absolutely no one way to anything, and mm-hmm.
3: um, – And that's what this piece is, I mean – Well, so. no, uh, yeah, and then, and then again, and we should go back a little bit, I think, to those three very different pieces, and we haven't really talked about the, the, the entrance points to the, to the first and second acts, and I don't know whether you want to go back and talk. Again, that takes us – that starts us in, in, into the world.
5: I felt very strongly about those two pieces, and we're referring to Casa Marito. Thank you. Um, the third short story that I picked um, for it, um, I wanted to bookend something, I wanted to bookend each of the story, short stories that I was doing, Archaumon and Glory Day. And I wanted to have something that either bookended them on the side, or started each of them like an overture or an Atrak day. I wasn't sure what that would be, but then I found this remarkable story of this young woman, Kesa, who has a lover. She um, has told her husband. Um, that they are having an affair, and now she has to end um, her lover's life. And then Marito's story is, I have to end this affair, so I'm going to kill her when I see her this (laughs) night. So it's very blood and guts, passion, down. You know, I've put my spin on these stories uh, to offer up uh, thematic material in a way that an overture does, or an entracte does. And the Overture, you have your musical themes, the songs you're going to hear. I choose to do it differently. I choose to do it with, um, with word and with thought and some musical uh, stylization, because um, I use several Japanese scales throughout both shows, Our Showman and Glory Day. And they're introduced in *Kesa* and Marito as well. So and, and, and when you walk into the Ansbach, you see these, like, the, those, those notorious columns are standing there. But they are Casa and Marito. And it was so beautiful a gesture um, that uh, Jonathan and Ted had to come up with, the, the, um, this re- remarkable set that they've created when you walk into the theatre. Because those two columns remain Casa and Marito, even through Our Showman and Glory Day. Truth and Lie, Yin and Yang, Man and Woman, you know, Death Life. It, it, it represents all by that. That sounds real heady. It's really not. I mean, it's not, it, it doesn't mean that much. It's, very, it's, it's about people two people making a choice in their lives. And uh, one is seeing it one way, and one is seeing it another, and this is the world that we live in. Can, wh- what can we create when we don't um, all agree on something?
3: Mm-hmm. And these are the two pieces that are done, sort of traditional, that they're costumed in, in uh, Japanese clothing, and it's a very – almost a kabuki kind of feel. And, and it, it p- puts you into that world. And I, can re- I was sitting there thinking, Oh, we're gonna, are we going to stay in this world, and then absolutely not, we go into a completely different – Right. It's 1951 film 1951 noir. 1951
6: film noir. Yeah, we, we – I think we all like surprise in the theatre, so we save some stuff also for the second act that you just don't know is going to pop up. And we had, uh, we did various versions of those prologues, and Michael John has rewritten them for this production so that they're more thematically linked to the rest of the evening, and less about plot in some ways. And, we staged them quite differently in Williamstown. We even started this process in previews with different staging for them. And we wanted to try to make it clear that they were not continuous stories, that they were thematically linked, but they were not the same characters. And in the Arshuman par- part of the piece, they talk about having seen a Japanese movie, which turns out to be Rashiman. And some people come away thinking that that's what we're showing them at the top, is the movie. And oh. we decided that's okay, if, if that's how you want to <coughs> interpret it. But we, also, we wanted to, gra- to ground the production and the evening in something Japanese, and we wanted to make the two characters that you meet in those pieces feel and look different from the, char- the characters of the same actor is going to play five minutes later. So we, we just in this production, we went
5: pretty close to full-out ancient
6: Japanese.
5: Uh-huh. It's a, it, they dress, and I, what I like about those pieces, and I fought, I had a fight to ha- keep them in. It's honest, I can be honest with that. Absolutely. My collaborators they were, they were, they were, were always supportive we of me. But uh, you know of it. But uh, I I did have many times to say no. They must stay because I've and working in the thematic. What I think is very thematic has thematic importance is that when we watch events unfold, or if we play the role of observers, our culture, American culture, has become very much that as of late, uh, where we are watching and we don't do anything about it. What, what, what is our responsibility in that? And um, when you play the role of God, and you sit back, and, and you watch out of an airplane window as people are drowning, or you're you know, watching on TV as Diane Sawyer's you know, on the news, um, you know, watching men die in Iraq, and you have your coffee. What, what do you feel? Do you, what do you feel, and what can you do, and what responsibility do you have? I mean, I think we're all in that kind of stasis place right now in our country. We know we must do something, but we don't know what to do about it. And we all feel that sense of responsibility, but we don't know how to act on that. So those why, that's what Case and marita I believed in very strongly, and I needed to say that as clearly as I could, and that's why I went through a variety of rewrites. And that's why they're there they're, um, to present that particular material. Again, that sounds heading and deep. It really is about people, though. Uh, really honest to God, flesh and blood people.
7: And, but we shouldn't be afraid of getting heady and deep either, because theatre can do everything. We can entertain as well as being heady and deep all at the same oh, time. But and I'd hopefully, say, I'd this all at the pompous.
3: same time. What's the yeah. pompous
5: about is that, you know,
7: it's No, but that's that. a forum, and at times you have to speak out loud, and you have to say, "Look at our world, and look at the world we're living in." And for me, what I've, you know, and this took a long time for me to kind of arrive at, for me, what the piece is about, and it's only privately to me, is it feels that. Truth, to own ultimate truth is a tyranny. To say that you have the truth, you have the way, actually will lead to tyranny, will lead to a Hitler, will lead to a world in which we cannot exist. It will just annihilate itself. And Aunt Moni says the the best thing. And she's an atheist. So what what she does say is, but I love you. And where does that come from? And ultimately, all we're left to do is be compassionate, you know? And that's our responsibility, is to find compassion. And yes, we're very deep at this moment in time, but theatre can do that. And at times, we have to look at ourselves and go, we're deep. We can, we can go there and, and be unafraid of it. And with this piece, we can entertain at the same time. It can do everything.
3: Well, that's a great segue, because we do have a piece of uh, video of your character singing um we need a miracle what's it's that the, there will there will be a miracle a miracle there will be a miracle so let's go to uh that <clears throat> film clip please
4: you can never rush a miracle you can't
8: force a thing to be i am desperate for a
4: miracle
8: but it won't come just for me
3: As everybody should
5: Look at yourself. You I, know, I got
3: shivers. Great. I got shivers. It's that's a beautiful, amazing. beautiful moment in the show. Beautiful. Moment you make yourself show. look so old. <laughs> I know that's
8: acting, baby. Acting. <laughs> <It's> acting. <laughs> <laughs> acting.
4: Brilliant. Thank you. <laughs> yes. <laughs>
3: so, how much of the show actually did change between Williamstown and the and the performance and what we're seeing at the Public? Was there a lot of rewriting or, or tweaking or?
5: There. Excuse me, hungry. Um, uh, yeah, there was a lot of tweaking. There was a lot of uh, angst about things. Um, I don't even remember the angst. I don't actually remember the working on it part. <laughs> uh, I just know that it, it – I don't know. I would I, like to think that there was a lot of work done, and there was a lot of work done. Uh, on the other hand, though, it feels like it's – it's a step further than what we had done. Mm-hmm. I just don't, I can't remember what. Was you know, fixed. we ultimately,
6: I think, felt quite good about how it went at Williamstown. So we w- w- entered this process um, knowing that we, we, we all knew we could do better, but we, we were not at all panicked about, oh my God, the second act doesn't work, or this character doesn't work. And we were ex- excited to work with these actors again. Mark had done this workshop, but then he couldn't do Williamstown, and we were excited to get his input now. You know, y- six Mary, months,
8: you, a you year did later. Williamstown. I did
5: Williamstown, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But and it changes, you know, when you have new actors. For me, it changes, because you tailor the songs and you tailor the scenes to the actor. It's like it's like whole – you know, it's right. called New actors like, ask, ask new questions.
6: Mm-hmm. Right. So Adina yeah. had, you know, a lot of questions about sure. her part, and it was exciting to – explore them, and see what, what we could find.
3: So Mary, you and Henry were the two performers in yes. William you want, to, From a performer's point of view, do you want to talk about how the show changed? For you? or, for um, or just? <clears> throat> throat> well, every time you do
8: something, it's different. And um, uh, I found that it did change in little subtle ways. And as I said before, this piece is so spare, that even one word change changes everything. So, so I had a couple of line things that were changed, which kind of changed, you know, because it's spare. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, but the wonderful thing about working on it again is the opportunity to bring depth to the character, which is what Teddy said. Like our first day of rehearsal, you know, now we can really go deep. You know, we can go because Williamstown we didn't have that much time. So uh, it's finding sort of the new things and and the things you, uh, the deeper things, and then the things that you don't need. I remember in Williamstown that that scene for me was very emotional, and I. Uh, I used to get very choked up during that scene in Williamstown, and now I am not choked up at all. And it's very interesting. Uh, I'm in a completely different place with this character than I was in Williamstown. So um, you know, it's just every time you do something, it changes a little bit, which is the only guarantee in life that 's <laughs> change. So um, uh, I find that it's, uh, it's a deeper experience this time, um, and subtly different in many different ways. Mm-hmm.
6: Yeah, I would second that. And sometimes I would throw, as Johnny describes, throw a bomb, and say, let's do something completely differently than how we did it at Williamstown, just to see. And often we'd end up with some yeah. version that was closer to what we had originally done. Exactly. But it was worth exploring, and I finding out why we liked what we did.
5: did I remember, remember how I would come in, and uh, I'd say, hey guys, I've got a new rewrite for the scene," and we'd all read it, and everybody go <laughs> – <laughs> you know, that sad moment, and a pause. You know, when you and you get that, that, all of a sudden you smell everybody's so sad. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a it wrath through the room, you know? and I and I go, what's wrong, everybody? <laughs> you know, <laughs> and and, and, the, and you know, I realized that with these with many of the rewrites, I had to be very, very, very careful of what was added to things. And sometimes I will do that as a writer, just to fatten up a little bit, or maybe for an actor, say, here, I know it's too much, but try it, you know. There were some things that you have to be very, very careful about. And I found myself cutting some of my brilliant new rewrites, <laughs> you know, getting rid of them, because I didn't need them. They were being set already. One, by the staging, it's a show, not a tell, right? And uh, secondly, by my actors, who can bring so much to things. Um, the white space, the sound of their voice, their voices are the characters. Um, and thirdly, I have colors uh, uh, that I have to think about in terms of orchestra. Because an orchestra, these beautiful, beautiful orchestrations that were mm-hmm. um, devised by Bruce Coughlin, um, contribute so much. I love working with Bruce. He's one of the great artists of, mm-hmm. of, of my generation to work with. He is uh, so in touch with the idea of uh, supporting an actor, much like the olden days, when uh, Merman would go out and sing, and you had these great orchestrations that supported her and, 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 her, and her generation, where these orchestras would sit right there in full, vu, view, you know, full view and play and make all this beautiful music, and there was no mic. These orchestrations were written specifically, the Russell Bennett uh, orchestration, so great. And Bruce reminds me so much of that, and uh, that he can write an orchestration which you don't need to have microphones to sing over. Mm. I just think it's genuinely wonderful. Um, so when you have that element going into it, too, you realize that you can say less and do more.
3: Did you have the, the, the same number of instruments in Williamstown? Was it a much – was it a smaller – It was like
6: similar, but it was five instead of seven. Uh-huh. It was dictated by budget and space, sure. up there in time. But
4: there
6: sure. was a useful process to see what we still needed, mm-hmm. and what we could still um, benefit from
5: adding. Brought in a lot more Japanese toys to play with, and you got three some percussionists on the show, right? Yeah, and a great, great bass, bass, bass player. Mm-hmm. Terrific yes, we didn't have any great. bass. And, and yeah. So yeah, it's, it's been a lot of fun.
3: I would say, Ed, and we—I don't know if we spoke enough about the rest of your collaborators on this team. It's really a wonderful team. Yeah. Now, are these folks that you've all worked with before, or pretty much? I tried to surround myself with people
6: either I knew well and and had worked with before, or people I just knew were at the top of their fields, especially since I'm still relatively new to directing. So I wanted to surround myself with experience. So we have a terrific design team. Tom Lynch did the sets. Mm -hmm. And Caitlin uh, Ward did the costumes. And Chris Ackerland, with whom we did Light in the Piazza, did the lights. And Acme Sound and Nevin Steinberg um, did the sound design, mm-hmm. I've done many yeah. shows with Nevin. Great. And, we,
5: and again, Christopher Fenwick. Uh, Christopher Fenwick, young man who's music director, brilliant, yeah. brilliant young guy.
3: It, now, that must have been a challenge for him, working with you as a director, who you, you are.
5: Well, you know, I, I, we, we didn't – working is a very good, interesting word for this seminar, working in the theatre, because it's mostly play uh-huh. that we do. It's mostly playing in the theatre. Um, <laughs> but we worked hard, and we had to really work through a definition of roles, uh, you know, while, while we worked on this project. You know, um, I had to give up a certain amount of feelings about it, because I had to trust Ted's expertise as, as, a, as a musician. And it was tough. It was it, hard. And uh, we went through a period where,
6: where I had to be completely mm-hmm. silent about anything music. I had to separate myself from that, even though I had, you know, a lot of instincts or opinions, because it just didn't feel right for Michael John, for me to be intruding on that. He wanted me just to be the director and let the music, music department
5: director do be the, music the director. that's right. And uh, so it was, it was great, though. But that's what, that's what you learn. and, and And it was great, though, when finally just to release and go, yeah, okay, now that's it. And then trust and and have a family, you know. That Much easier this time. Oh, it was just fabulous, yes.
3: Was that the dynamic up at Williamstown? Yeah, we
6: had – we actually – we had a lot of fights about it. And Michael John had a nightmare one night. We both had nightmares the same night. And Michael (laughs) John's was that. I was rewriting his show in a room hidden far
5: away. (laughs) Um, you were staying in the same farmhouse <laughs> too. Like, <Yeah>. <laughs> really? <laughs>
8: oh
3: my
5: God! <laughs> well, it's and I was in between.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
4: it's
5: great you you worked it through, right? Yeah. Because well, certainly, if those <laughs> things don't get worked through, it can be poisonous for a show. It's it's, it's not, it's not personal. Although you know, it, it, it feels very personal because it's theater. But it's it's not, and we and I think we both recognize that. And it's you know, when we when you I'm 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 a total control freak. And, uh, and, and get really, really, you know, f- you know, and how to release that with a – right, yes, he's giggling. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're both, we're
6: both musicians at heart, and we yes. both want the music to be beautiful and perfectly performed, um, and it was just finding the way to, f- to work on that together and not step on each other's toes mm-hmm. and trust each other, and, and both feel like we were s- serving the same vision.
5: Once we found that, that then it's become really – and John is a remarkable um, conciliator, and, <laughs> and musician godfather, and, and a great too. great musician too. And it just is really, really wonderful to work with them. So therefore, I felt like, you know, like I say, doing the three things, I could come to rehearsal and um, be, on that day, the librettist, and not worry about the music, knowing that I had ears and eyes, and eyes and ears to deal with issues that happened musically that day. Um, I did not have to concern myself, because my job that day, was to be pay close attention to the storytelling and the word. And that was it. So that, when, when, when we got into that sink of it all, it, it, it flowed um, beautifully. For me, I was very, very pleased. And had very pleasant
7: dreams. <laughs> I wonder if
3: it's compounded by the fact that you're all in the same
7: house. Do you know?
4: <laughs> In, In Williamstown? Williamstown?
7: yeah. We, we're truly – I mean, we re- when I say vagabonds, we really are that. We know we should actually be on the road, on a caravan somewhere, just traveling, you know. <laughs> you should have seen our <laughs> kitchen.
4: <laughs> our kitchen said it all at
2: Williamstown, <laughs> no. because
6: Johnny has a very particular diet. He is a vegetarian. vegetarian, he doesn't eat any wheat. He only eats things pretty much straight from the earth, you know, and beautiful Dirt. packaging. And I'm a complete, I had, especially that summer for whatever, I, was, I had the Twinkies, as Mary yeah, said. That's and, right. And, then, and Michael John had his, so you look at the counters like, <coughs> oh my God, three very <laughs> different people are here.
5: It was really, that was really something. Yeah.
6: I think when I go and work out of town, I, it's my only chance to, go, like, to drive to a supermarket and mm. roam down these big aisles with the carts, and it reminds me of my childhood, exactly. and I revert to all the don't, childhood don't, foods, don't like Pop-Tarts, which exactly. I would never think to eat here in this city.
5: Yeah. <laughs> but but we go there, we go – I'd go when I was mad at Ted, I'd go, how can you work with a guy who eats Pop-Tarts? <laughs> John, poor John would go,
4: uh-huh. <laughs> here,
5: have some dirt and celery. <laughs> <laughs> it ultimately turned out okay, okay. Now we're in New York. We have our own apartment. Yeah. We could <laughs> get away from that. It Also, rained
6: every day we were there, or it felt like it. Oh <laughs> well. <laughs> it didn't, but
3: I uh. got <laughs> to remember. Yeah. It was, was raining in their house. Remember. <laughs>
4: uh,
3: we have uh, one more clip from the show. It okay. might be nice to look at. This is Glory Day. This is uh,
5: a big ensemble
3: number. I guess, for well, an ensemble th- of th- five? five. <laughs> <laughs> the ensemble of five?
5: It's so funny, though. Uh, before you run it, I just it, again, it just proves, how, if you can cast a show right, and you don't have to have a hundred people on stage, you know, pretending to dance around and stuff, you know, like what you see these days. You can get five brilliant actors, a good, m- you know, music stager, and a great director, and great designers. Five people can feel like, you know, DeMille <laughs> epic. It's just remarkable. So I that's that.
3: Alright, let's go to this clip, please.
1: The losers have got nothing to lose. No, oh, You've got
7: to you cripple that blind and death. A selection of afflictions to choose. Oh, I oh, I you and
1: vulnerability to use as we
4: wait oh,
1: for way. the glory.
5: The way to do that is keep them all in the dark <laughs> It's not that dark. It's yeah. not that dark. No. Not I dark actually feel that. much better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm
1: actually like, oh we <laughs> are in silhouette. Okay. <laughs>
5: That's how you uh, can make a hundred people. <laughs> five people look like a hundred. <laughs> well, you know, not
3: to not to um uh Go to uh, uh, any any negative place, but I really do think it's interesting to hear about some of the um, some of the challenges you all faced as collaborators, because I think there is always a tendency, when 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 you get together, and especially as a family, to to, to just talk about all the all the wonderful things that you like about each other. So I I really uh, in, am intrigued to hear about the real sort of. The, the work, as opposed to the play, that, that ultimately leads to such a wonderful, wonderful uh, just being product. I mean,
5: that's, that's part and parcel of giving birth. It's yeah. not, mm-hmm. you know, it ain't a breeze, you yeah. know. It, it, there are highs and there are lows, and uh, you know, it, to make a musical, you it's just not one person. You, it involves everybody's egos, and everybody's uh, fantasy of what they want, everybody's desires, everybody's passions go into it. And you have to respect in some ways, it, everything that a person in the room gives you, and, and so there are going to be tense moments. There are going to be hard moments. As long as you're on the same page, though, at the end of the day, it's a, yeah. you know where you're going.
3: And and what it sounds to me like your path really was 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 something that that you all propelled. I mean, you 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 created these opportunities. Uh, you mentioned early on that uh, musical theater works and Tom and Randy. Uh, worked with you for this. But did you know, when you left Williamstown, did you know where you were going next?
5: We didn't. Not, not, no. We had offers, but we had not decided. And we um,
6: were pleased when the public also um, offered, because this particular space for me is meaningful in that I, I direct – music directed my first show in that space, when Joe Papp was still running the theatre. And the, the extreme height that it has, and this, mm-hmm. uh, it actually has a skylight ceiling. And it has a, a light uh, truss that thrusts up into the audience, like somebody reaching for the sky or for a god. It just felt like the perfect place to do the piece.
3: Um, the actor, Henry, who uh, plays the priest in the, in the second act, has a, has a long history down at the public. A, but he also did the show at Williamstown. So he's, is yes. he someone that you'd worked with before, I wrote or the is the second this?
5: act for Henry Stram. Uh, he's one of the, my favorite actors, and I've known him for many, many years. I never had the opportunity he, to he's work with him. He's never
3: been in anything that you've no, written before. I never had a chance
5: to write for him. Uh, there wasn't a show. Didn't he do th- one reading of Wild Party before? Oh, that? yes. I think he did one, yes. That's where I okay. first met him. He did a reading of Wild Party, our very, very first one um, that we did. And um, and I fell in love with him, but I had known him actually before then, and I thought, that's a possible role. And then, of course, the whole role changed for Wild Party, so it, he, he couldn't do it, unfortunately. Um, but I, I, I've always wanted to write something for him. I find him ex- extremely as close to m- me. Uh, you know what I mean in terms of like feelings that I have and um, his everydayness, every man quality about him but filled with quirk, um brains and I mean just he's just Really, really fascinating to me. And so when I wrote *Glory Day*, I really wanted—I f- wrote it for him. And, and he's, he's
3: really not it. an actor with a with a with a musical career. No, he's no. worked
5: with Robert, Robert Wilson. Robert Wilson, right? Richard Foreman. Richard Foreman is what with. he's done. Yeah. We did *Titanic* um, together. He was in. The, he, has done, he has done. a fair number of yeah,
4: musicals. Yeah,
5: yeah. But yeah. never a role as, as large as this and as okay. you know uh, intrinsic to the piece.
3: Because so. I was curious about that when I looked at, at at the casting, and I and I didn't see a history there. I wondered – and you talk, think about the role that the public played in bringing this show to, to, to life. I mean, they helped you finalize the casting and bring it all together yes. and it sort of played that final – And Oscar Eustace Produce has oil. been
6: a very valuable pair of eyes and ears for us as well.
3: That's great. That's great. Good.
6: And you know, the, the, the public made its first real splash with a musical, Hair. You know, uh, 50 in years ago, I in, think in, in that, that space. In that space, so it feels—it yeah. yes. feels great to be working in that tradition of, of pieces that are uh, extraordinary and. Uh Challenging.
5: But like I say, they're, they're really, they've got a great, uh, uh, they don't like the word, but they've got a great machine going for themselves. Mm-hmm. And it is very much like a machine. Um, it's, you know, it, the work gets produced, it gets up, and they, they have a good motor running right now. And, uh, and that's due in large part also to George Wolf and, 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 and predecessors there um, that have made a, a wonderful machine work. Like I say, you, get, you can be dangerous there, you can take a lot of risks. and. Uh, uh, it's a very exciting place to be right now. Mm-hmm. Just I'm even to walk lucky. into the
6: lobby, and their audience is going to
5: several different pieces Love at the it. same time at Joe's Pub and the other theaters and the mix. Were even the park people. there this summer with <clears> that <throat> fabulous, uh, fun uh, two gentlemen of Verona? I'd never seen it when it first opened. I was like, I was absolutely delighted. It was the perfect, perfect evening in the theater.
3: We were talking before we started about the uh, the, the need for a really accepting and receptive audience to to new work, and to, to find an environment that, that has that, you know? And, and, and um, sort of, that's the, the final collaborator, isn't it? That, that audience comes yeah, in, and yeah. – We don't do it What's fantastic
7: about the public is there's no – I've not been there when there's, as an institution, there's any sense of fear around the space. And, you know, when you, when you get on the big old Broadway, and you, you start your previews, there's an immense amount of fear enters the space. And as soon as that starts to happen, you get a distorted vision of the world, and therefore everything gets blurred. And here you, you feel that there's no fear. There's a direction, there's, there's challenges, but fear doesn't enter the space. And that's what I've loved about working there. And, and I've been up on the big old Broadway, and, and it has its own thing, but there's a certain amount of fear enters that's really difficult to play with. Money. Yeah of course of well, course your it's it's larger than
1: that too I, I think that you know I mean money.
8: It's
1: yeah. money. having an but 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 have, having an opinion now having an opinion has become a taboo when is having an opinion a wrong thing and it has become a wrong thing to actually have a specific mindset and and, and putting forth an idea your idea into the world with nothing more than saying i have this idea We've come, you know, and, and, and to a large extent, uh, I think that the Broadway has become more sensationalism, less, dare I say, activism. And um, it's, a, it's a great challenge. Money is a part of it. Um, but I, I think it's something beyond the money, you know. I mean, one thing always fuels another thing. It's never one specific thing. And, you know, it's, it's been very um, uh, exhilarating to be able to... Have a point of view and commit to something specific and not be worried about, you know, your, your, you know um, like the producers or the producing house, you know, wondering, oh, I don't know if we can do that. I mean, it's like here it is for the world, you know, embrace, not embrace, but partake if you want here it is for you. Um, you know, and like Jonathan has said all night long, you know, that theatre is a forum. It is a forum for the community. It is a form of community communication. And um, it's, 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 it's exciting to be able to share that with an audience and feel the audience reciprocating actively. Whether it's in silence, or whether it's in laughter, or whether it's in a low murmur. Um, it, it, I mean, in this, this theatre, you can actually
6: watch the fellow audience members, too.
5: Right. The way oh, that, the, yeah. Some of them were scary last night there. <laughs> <laughs> but know, I mean, was, for even, for, <clears throat> even for people that I've talked to, to
1: come and say, well, I don't know that I even understood it, but wow, you know, or, God, it was fascinating, or, you know, I sort of this really got me, and maybe not so much that. But to have people say, but I mean, <clears throat> on the whole, wow, I haven't seen anything like this in so long. And, I mean, it was exciting, and I was really involved, and there was never a moment where I was sitting back in my seat, you know? I, I, I just love to hear people say they were, they were sitting forward, listening all night long. There's a wonderful line in um, Terence McNally's play um, that Audra did, um, Masterclass. Masterclass, Masterclass, where, you know, um, Zoe Caldwell says at the beginning, you know, can you hear me? If you can't, it's not my fault. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and, and there's something to be said for that. That you know, I mean, technology. I hate these things with a with a passion. Uh, they they completely cut you off from an audience. You know, the, the, the exciting thing about going to the theater is to listen to Mary Testa sing that song, and you're drawn into what she's doing. You go to her as she comes to you. Um, there is an to to feel the actual. Um, um, Resonance of a performer offering you their energy without anything else but them.
5: Take a break. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know, I'm sorry. It's an art form. Well,
1: <laughs> no,
8: it's true. <laughs> I forgot. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna go get some coffee now. Okay, there, Go. <laughs>
1: But you know, that's what's fun about our show, we're surrounded by the audience.
3: And you have an interesting element in your audience. You have some fans there, don't you? Which we were talking about earlier, Adina has a a fan following
5: of young
3: girls, Mm -hmm. mostly young girls, and the night I was there, they were scattered throughout the house. The young woman next to me was sitting there with a flower, and she sat there with that flower through the entire show. just because she was going to give it to Adina afterwards, <laughs> you know. And it's an interesting dynamic to, to – so, and it, I think absolutely. it's terrific that these young kids are coming into the theatre, and maybe that's what's drawing them, but
5: they're mesmerized yeah. by the piece. And that's, mm-hmm. that's the exciting thing, too, is that um, – you know, because they, they, they talk to me after the show, because, you know, they, they know. And, and they go, Wow, this was really great. And Adina was good, too. <laughs> I told I've told Adina that. <laughs> I know. It's, it's very exciting, though. Except they come in the funniest outfits, though. The orange jumper Adina outfits. Have you seen those? <laughs> um, when they start doing the Mary Testa ones, no, trust me. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'll but you. it's great. Right uh, in and, the middle. And, and yes, there is a draw for that. But you know, also, too, the young audiences are young. Anyway, there's yeah. a younger crowd down there, uh, in the downtown theatre there, as it is. But the fans have been great, and they've been really wonderful. And our matinees it audiences is, are fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is. is PG- yeah. It, is, PG, is, it 13. is PG-13, though. Yeah. Um, it is It is PG-13. Yeah. You know, it was very, very funny. We had a talk back. Are you you wrapping up, aren't you? you have to wrap up now? No, we no? have a few more but minutes. There's a great uh, – see what I want to see. It's so funny that the thing was, uh, um, uh, we had a talk back with the audience the other night, and a young lady thought she would be very um, a uh, diplomatic, and raised her hand and said, why is it that you only depicted the most violent part of the rape on stage? There's uh, an incident that happens in the first act. That is, could be rape, could be sex, could be something. You know, it's all mixed up. And there was this pause in the room, and Ted said, we didn't. You imagined it. And she had imagined it, we herself because yeah. we, we didn't we skip pick that at all she saw something that she herself wanted to see and that blew my mind I mean, you know you could feel the audience go whoa wait a minute lady you know um, Which you is know. true. But but I didn't but you it's not not to laugh at her or anything like that. It's just she felt she had seen something because of the power of the young actor Aaron Laura who's playing the thief. He conveyed something so potent on stage that night and he did
4: mm-hmm.
5: that she saw something. Wow. That didn't really happen. That didn't happen. She's so cool.
6: My aunt. When I told her I was working on this piece, she remembered seeing the movie in 1951, Oh yes. and she said, I never had seen a violent rape on screen before, and it's not
5: in the it's movie not, either. It's not there. Wow. That's the power. And that's why – th- I bring it up, because remember it's that? Amazing. You told me that. You told me that yeah. story, and that happened to you the other night. That's right. See what you want to see. you know.
3: <laughs> We've got a few more minutes before we wrap it up. Okay. Is there anything you want to add, Ted, that we may have? missed? Anything about the show that you feel is important to convey?
6: Well, it's funny. I, I, my sister came last night also to the opening. There
3: were lots she, of yeah, so it, was, you know, it was my dad's birthday, <laughs> yeah. so we made a thing out of it.
6: And she asked me at dinner, she said, tell me what I should be looking out for, and tell me what's your favorite moment. And, and I thought for a moment, I said, I'm not going to say anything. I just want you to come and experience this, and then tell me what you thought. And we used to have, actually, we used to have projections as part of the evening to try to delineate the sections and explain a little bit, and we actually just technically could not find a good way to do that in this space. But I don't miss it anymore. I'm glad that people can just watch it unfold and make of it what they will. The way I saw it when I came to a reading at Lincoln Center, you know, seven years ago, I had no idea what I was coming to see. I didn't even know it was based on Arsham, rashaman And I just sat there and I thought, oh, wow, this is interesting. And I, oh, that's what happened? Oh, no, that's what happened. And, and I just got sucked in, and I,
5: I really hope that people feel that this time, too. And what are you coming as for Halloween this year? (laughs) We record our cast album on the 31st on Halloween. So you'll all be in costume? Well... I'm I, Ted, kind of Ted, Ted used to go as a UNICEF box. I told right? Yeah, we've shown that out. <laughs> as a kid. Which I, I made myself a giant, a giant <laughs> orange oak tag UNICEF box, and
6: I looked out That it. is so funny. <laughs> that is so
5: perfect. That is so it perfect. me up. Yes. Yeah, we go to the recording studio, so we're going to have some tricks and treats yeah. there while I'll bring we do the album. So. Uh-huh. The my screens? screen mat. Your what? My screen mat. She puts <laughs> the screen mat during Halloween out in front of I'm her dressing sure room, and you walk on it, and it goes
8: <laughs> <You step> on, <laughs> ah! it's, just, it's the most
5: fantastic thing you
8: really have to get one. I <laughs> like <laughs> right. coming as
1: <laughs> – I'm coming as an actor who's going to be doing the album <laughs> of a brilliant <laughs> show.
5: Okay, <kind> of. got <laughs> it.
7: But I think, <laughs> just going back to our time at <laughs> Williamstown <laughs> and that funny old house we were staying in, and the dirt and the Pop-Tarts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's dirt and Pop-Tarts in this musical. It's, it's, it has everything, you know. It's not just the dirt and the earth. It has the froth and the sweetness. And, it and that's what we should be ent- – we should be doing everything in theatre, all at the same time.
6: Adina I mean, sometimes would ask, Jonathan, so am I doing this or that? And he would say, yes.
5: <laughs> <laughs> that's right, that's right. It was great, though, when you have a mixture of, like I say, uh, 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 all different types. All different people, you you, and to have it all become one, that's that's when it, that's when you know you're doing something right, and it becomes one entity. And you have guess what you're saying there, the uh, assert. Uh, you're the you're the sweetness in the light one. I'm the mean one. He's the quiet one. So we ultimately have a nice mean, sweet, quiet. They're thing. like the pep boys. <laughs> <laughs> pet, pet and Boys. And it's all out
8: there, right in front no, of the you. Boys. There's
5: nowhere They're to the hide. Walmart company. There's nowhere <laughs> to hide out there. Like three heads. Oh. Yeah. Oh no! I thought you meant like the pet Boys. No, no, no. The pet Boys. <laughs> you guys know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, never mind, <laughs> it can be the pet shop. <laughs>
3: <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are just about ready to wrap this up. Um, I wanted to let you all know that the American Theatre Wing's Working in the Theatre seminars are brought to you from the Graduate Center of the City University of New York in association with the CUNY Department of Continuing Education and Public Programs, as well as our longtime partners at CUNY TV. On behalf of the American Theatre Wing please join me in thanking our wonderful panelists today
7: That's the crazies for Jesus sake the losers to lose you've got to crippled and blind and deaf a selection of affections to choose Golly, and vulnerability to
1: use as we wait Golly.
4: for the glory